and welcome to the next episode of DDR, the podcast all about your favorite drow, Drizzt Dowerton. My name is Justin, and in this episode, we'll be diving deep into part five, that is the last part of book two, Exile, and it is titled Spirit, discussing all of our favorite plot points, characters, and more. And my name is Jeffrey, the other half of this drow-tastic duo in the darkness, uh, except if you're watching on YouTube, because, well, I mean, you know, we use cameras, so it's, it's got to be lit. lit. <laughs> that it's would make our, be lit. That would make our show lit. <clears throat> nice. See, I can do slang. I can be hip. Speaking oh, of hip and cool, we love Dungeons and Dragons, so we're going to take some pieces from this part and see how they relate. Speaking of hip. Man, my hip's been hurting today, Jeffrey. <laughs> oh, thanks for making us sound old, buddy. <laughs> it's like, I think a storm's a brewing. <laughs> <clears throat> Following along with the show is easy. Just grab a copy of the book, read the next part of the book. Man, I almost said chapter again. And tune in every week. But remember, we want to hear your thoughts too. Share your dim lights with us at drizdunright at gmail.com. You're going to get it done by the time we start the next book. Easy peasy, know, right? buddy. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> or better yet, be part of the ongoing discussion on our very own Drist on Right Discord. The Discord invitation, it's linked in the podcast with the description right in there. So if you mm-hmm. raise an interesting point, you know we're going to bring you up on the show. And even though you've missed a chance to get a shout out during this book, don't worry. We're going to be rolling right on through into the next book like a freight train. So grab a ticket, stay on the ride inside of our Discord channel so you don't miss any important stops along the way. Justin, how are you feeling about the end of this book? I am pretty wrecked after <laughs> finishing this book, Jeffrey. I'm not going to lie. Oh. <laughs> you know, the, the first book was great. I'm, I'm I'm not sure how I'd compare book one and book two. I like them both very much. You know, oh, yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. really tell you which one's better. But boy, the emotional ending to this one was a bit... Was, I, was I mean, it's been a long time since I read this book, if I actually ever finished it. I don't know that I ever did. After reading this, I was like, I was pretty surprised. So either I forgot it all or or this is my first time actually finishing it. But yeah. I'm a little wrecked after it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here for you. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, it's been a week since our last episode aired, but you know, Jeffrey, it's only been five minutes since we last recorded pa- part four. So. <laughs> Feels like it was just a few moments ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're we're double recording here, so... Um, not too much has changed within the past five minutes for me, Jeffrey. I'm just looking forward to a nice big bowl of chili after we're done here. Nice. Um, I've got some cold pizza in the fridge. You know, you can reheat it. I think cold pizza is oh, for champions. Cold pizza. No, that, that hits a, its own spot. Very See, different spot. Now Elizabeth will not eat <laughs> cold pizza. She's like, it's really? disgusting. Yep. I, oh, I try to tell her, I was like, Oh, I gotta love it. It's got its own. You're right. It's got its own little place on the food calendar. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Like, love it. <clears throat> No, Sarah is uh, entering a chili competition, uh, so we needed nice. to do a a practice run here. How hot so, did she go? Like on a not heat too scale. hot. No, it's excellent. It, it's, excellent. It's maybe in the five range out of a okay. one to That's ten. Not bad. As I say, a lot no, of times you want to you want to step it down a little because you're going for that flavor, that right. bite instead of because you're and doing a contest thing, like, instead of just like you know. Right, like if it was me eating this chili, 
I would want it to be hotter, but I'm like, okay, I know not everyone is into that. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, if you're at a chili competition, you would think that you would be into some spicy food. But Some. Um, There's a difference, right? Because that's that level. <laughs> when you take it to a nine, yeah, it's tough for yeah. everybody. But we got real beef in there. Like, it's we got, um, um, like, steak in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, and along with some pork sausage. And, oh, man, it's really good. Now, and, do you have a meat grinder? I don't have a meat grinder. This is something I think I will eventually get because I've been watching people butcher down their own pieces and you take the stuff that you don't use, the scraps, you put it in with your burger, uh-huh. you grind it up, you use the excess fat to give yourself a burger out of the chuck. And Interesting. it just seems like I could find reasons to have a meat grinder. <laughs> Do you have a KitchenAid? There's got to be a a meat grinder attachment mm. on the KitchenAid. I have one of those, you know, really stupidly expensive mixer things. That might be what you mean, the KitchenAid. I, I think that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so pretty, it basically probably what it has is. an attachment, but I feel like Elizabeth <laughs> would really give me a side <laughs> eye if I started putting, like, sausage. Kind of, oh, come uh, on. Sausage through the, the, the mixer <laughs> that she, she has. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, here we are in part five, finishing up book two. Let's go ahead and get things started off with the insight check. The insight check. Now we're going to roll an insight check to investigate the inner monologue of Drizzt. It opens up with, Spirit cannot be broken or stolen away. Driz discusses how the mind, body, and heart of a physical being is what gives a being spirit. Something that Zachnafane currently still has all three of. Dot, dot, dot. He then goes on to talk about how tyrants come along and try to break the spirit of those that serve them. Does he technically have a heart, though? Because they, they sacrificed uh, that. Uh, well, I mean, I would think it's still in there, right? Just but maybe they cut it out. So like, oh no, they, they pulled it. They no, that it? was did they eat that, it? Like they didn't take his heart out. I thought yeah. they took. No, see, they, that was when they they she was gonna do risen. Is what you're thinking when he was drugged? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they they sidestepped and then killed uh, Matron Cinefe, oh. the, the 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 house member of Dewarden, formerly known as Matron Cinefe. But back when they killed Zach, uh, remember when Vierna was right. tying him up and they were having a uh-huh. conversation? They took his heart. Oh, they did. Yeah. Did they I don't know if they removed it, but they might have stabbed it because they had the, the special spider-like right. dagger that, that they used in everything. That actually pulls it out. Yeah. Right. Well, then his insight check totally falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and like the... <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> you know what? For, forget I asked. Go ahead. <clears throat> so, yeah, tyrants come along and they try to break the spirit of those that serve them, trying to get them to bend to their will. But always they fail. For destroying any one of those three parts of the spirit results in death, like removing someone's heart, right? So what good is a kingdom of corpses to a tyrant? But then, um, where was Zachnafane, right? Um, where was he during the 10 years of Driz's solitude? If he does still have all those three things, which apparently he might not have a heart... But Two whatever. out of three ain't bad. <laughs> where was he during the encounter in the Mind Flayer's Den? Driz then repeats, spirit cannot be broken and it cannot be taken away. This I must believe. So maybe Driz was just kind of like holding on to that hope in hopes that his, you know, dad was coming back. But I mean, but he does, he does think that the spirit of Zachnafane still exists within 
whatever creature he fought within uh, part four. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows uh, that there. He knows that, you know, the creature being the body of Zack, you know, it, it must still have some good in him. It must still have at least a portion of the spirit of Zack in him. Uh, so he he's going to need to surrender to his father and be taken directly to the Emperor. From there, perhaps the rest of the party can infiltrate the Death Star and bring the Empire to its knees. Are we back on Star Wars again, Jemmer? <laughs> now, that was not planned how we ended up in there on both parts, especially <laughs> since we're doing a back-to-back recording, but I find that hilarious. That is really funny. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at this point, at this point, re- finishing this um, letter at the beginning of the part, we don't know what Drizzt's next actions are going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to jump into the Drizzt and see. The Drizzt, it's the part of the show where we take a look at the next part of the book and we give you the Drizzt of it. Chapter 22 is titled Without Distraction. And we start out in the, perspe- the yeah, perspective of Zachnophane, still within the Mind Flayer compound. Zachnophane was continuing his way out, trying to follow Drizzt's scent. And the Mind Flayers just allowed him to leave. See you later. <laughs> All but one, of course. One of them, uh, his pride got into his head a little bit, and Zachnafane cut him down very easily. Uh, he was now in hot pursuit of Drizzt and had one major advantage over Drizzt. Zach does not need to rest. Meanwhile, Drizzt, Belwar, and Clacker continued to run away from the Illithid cave. The group happened upon a group of Durgar, Grey Dwarves, Drizzt was hopeful that they could ally with them, but their response to allying with a Hookar and a Deep Gnome proved otherwise. A rock came hurtling toward Drizzt, but it wasn't unexpected. (laughs) Quickly, Drizzt cast Fairy Fire on all of them before they went invisible. So, I mean, like, their invisibility didn't really do too, too much for them. No, that is such a cool visual when you picture like a, like a from a Final Fantasy standpoint, like when you stack up to fight, like your uh-huh. your party and their party, and all of a sudden like yep. two or three of them just like laughing <laughs> and go out of sight. Now they're right. still outlined by the firefighter, yep. but they, zoom, they disappear. I was like, that is such a cool ability. That is cool. Uh, Drizzt evened the playing field by casting darkness over himself and at least two of the gray dwarves. One of which surrendered after the other one was stabbed through the mouth by Drizzt Scimitar, which I just, I loved that. That was almost uh, my dim light because like he managed to just barely, or he managed to stab the one and he yelled out in pain. And then Drizzt just followed the sound right to, right to the dwarf's mouth. You uh, know, <laughs> Shades of Zach Nefane, maybe like snatching out the uh, matron tongue with the, Oh, the totally. The yeah. <laughs> um, so Drizzt led his prisoner out of the darkness, only for Clacker to execute the prisoner. In fact, Clacker seemed to turn full Hookhar on the group, killing the rest of the Grey, the gray Dwarves and then attacking Belwar and Drizzt. Drizzt made his way up Clacker's massive armored body. I believe he was prone at the time, but he made his way up, eventually reaching his throat and slipping his scimitar between the plate-like armor. Do it, Clacker mumbled but Drizzt would not kill Clacker. Clacker um, 
angrily stood up and stomped down the tunnel, which is like in the in the underdark, like stomping. Probably not a great thing to do, but whatever. I mean, he is huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Driz began to realize um, if he was going to save Clacker, um, yeah, he was going to have to take. He was going to have to find a wizard to prevent this this permanent transformation. Um, he was going to have to go back to Menzo Baranzong. Belwar was not on board with this. Just like, what are we going to offer in exchange for dispelling Clacker's curse? Like, <laughs> just the most sarcastic thing, you know, right? And mm-hmm. Drizzt replied, the wizard's life, which I thought that was really cool. It's just like mic, mic drop. drop. Right, yes. exactly. <laughs> Jinx. Absolutely. I felt like that was, when I read it, it like went off like a gong in my head. It's like, well, what, what, oh, are, we yeah. gonna, what are we going to offer him? It's like, just with, like, you know, it was like this deathly, stoic, icy stare. Totally. totally. His life. It's like, oh, yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. We're going to offer him his life because that's drizzed, bro. You want to cut people. He just stabbed yep. right through the mouth. Yeah. He's ready to go. That's yeah. the, I feel like the hunter said that, you know? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yes, yes. <clears throat> uh, then we move into chapter three titled Ripples. So back in Menzo Berenson, Matron Bayanray uh, was consoling Matron Malice, encouraging her, encouraging her that Zincarla will not fail. It never has in the past. Uh, Malice, however, was not so sure. She was feeling particularly vulnerable during this time. Uh, she was afraid that another house would see this vulnerability, right? Uh, this vulnerability in House de Worden. House de Worden is now on the ruling council. They're outside the favor of Loth. She's heavily distracted by Zin Carla. She was just afraid that some lesser house was going to strike. So Ban Ray um, offered 200 of, quote, her own soldiers. Surely no one were, would attack the de Worden's when there were uh, 200 of House Banry soldiers there, right? <clears throat> so Malice was escorted home, and Jarlaxle walked in um, and sat down next to Matron Banry. You're going to find out that Jarlaxle has clones everywhere. Yeah, That's he, how he's, he's everywhere, everywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he asks Matron Banry, will she succeed? And not even Loth knows the answer to that, Banry responded. Jarlaxel then asks a question that has been on my mind for a while. Why doesn't Loth kill Drizzt? Banray then answers, uh, her answer was a little surprising to me. Since Drizzt has fully forsaken Loth, she has no power over him. Jeffrey, what do you make of that response? I'm not really sure because I think part of it is <clears throat> Loth is not physically in this realm, right? Okay. I mean, obviously she's an entity; she can come in, but up until this point in the story, she's not here, right? So she's right. not going to run over and stab him with a sword. So she would use her gifts or the removal of her gifts, as she does to Matron Malice and, and okay. most of the All other right. people, but. Since he's just completely severed that that connection, wants none of her gifts, uh-huh. well, she can't take anything away because she's not right. giving him anything. So it's, okay. it's almost like, not that she has a blind spot to him, but almost like he has shielded himself by cutting off all kinds of like hooks and tethers that right. should be there from him being raised and indoctrinated along the way. So then, like, is she if she is able to come to the material plane to kill Drizzt... At what point would she 
do that. You know what I mean? It like, would have to imaginably be a, a huge offense. Now, in in the story so far, we know that he did not kill an elk. Right. Is that the biggest offense? I'm <laughs> not that, sure that, <laughs> that she's going to leave the safety because she's a god thing. I mean, she's a god uh-huh. right. or goddess of those realms unless prodded properly because she's not really in, in any danger where she's at right now. She, she's further right. removed, but she can send minions all day long. You know what I mean? So for her to actually like get up off of her duff, right? Her little uh-huh. tush and go <laughs> do something. It, it would have to take something. You would like move mountains. You would think. Yeah. Right. A little bit now, more than, than not killing an elf on a surface. Right. Rate. Yeah. Like the way I look at it, as far as that response goes. <laughs> Otherwise, she would she would just have a constant presence in Menzo Barons walking around slashing and smashing everything. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah, like, when I read that response, I was just kind of like, okay, so Loth seems to be given her power by her followers in a way. Mm-hmm. At, at least the way yes, that I first interpreted that. Yes, that also makes sense, that. too. I like that. And so it's just kind of like, okay, if they all just simply left her... With that reasoning, she would be powerless. She, would, I don't know, like what kind of goddess is that, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, anyway, well, uh, no, I mean, it's neat. If I forget what D and D book it was, it, it might have just been a not a like an official textbook, but it okay. might have been a book. And it talked about like when when gods are no longer prayed to or followed, they have no followers for a long period of time. They can become. Uh-huh not distant but like they don't have power so what gives a god its power is the people that that pay faith that yeah they have the temples they have and they somehow draw their just like influencers yes no wait (laughs) (laughs) we do have a support this podcast link people it is in the episode description (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, Matron Banray eventually had a little moment remembering the other two times she witnessed Zincarla. Through successful completion, she couldn't forget Zincarla's success as she looked at her own house. She also couldn't forget the heavy price she paid whenever she looked upon her reflection. What did she do, Jeffrey? Well, what did she, she do? A, she spent a lot of time sucked into focusing on Zincarla until she was an emaciated boy. <laughs> it's essentially what happened to Malice. Like Malice is losing all of her, you know, right. She's like, Oh, I'm going to look like matron Bay and right. How true she was in the last. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Not only did Bay and Ray use it once, she double dipped. That she did twice. Oh, I thought maybe like she did the one and like someone else that she knew did the other. I don't but... think that, that that's how oh, it's worded. In, in my right. opinion, when I read that, I read it as she saw it through to completion twice. Right. So like, but what did she do? Like she sees, I, I seem to remember her saying something like she saw her, her reflection of her mother in herself or something oh, like that. I don't know. Or like um, when she sees her reflection, she's like reminded of everything she did. She's reminded of something along the lines of her mother. Shoot, I forget now. But like my first thought was like, did she zombify her mother? And like, oh, I wouldn't put it past because you know it's got to be something. Because I mean, she ascended to the first house of Menzo Barons. Right. For yeah. Quite some time now. 
Now, see, like, so up until this point, I thought that she was in the first house or her house made it to the first place, whatever you want to call it, uh, because of the mind flayer. Right. All right. That's that's what I was thinking the whole time. But now it's like, oh, she used in Carla to get up there. And like you were saying, probably even twice. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, Malice, on her way back to the Doerting compound, smiled smugly as they walked past, or she levitated past, the ninth house of Menzo Berenzon. She was wishing to know what their matron mother was thinking as the eighth house walked by with 200 soldiers from House Banray in tow. Deenan was not as comforted by the soldiers. He could only think of that night battling House Hanette when Jarlaxel used his whistle. I believe this is the part in the book where they say the one soldier winked at him. Yes. Yes. I was like, what? <laughs> and it's like, again, it's, right. I love how he slips these little things in when we come to completion of the chapter and everything else. You'll yep. understand exactly what happened. But <laughs> at this point in the book, here comes this soldier and Dean is just like, wait a minute. This seems familiar. And the one soldier yeah. just looks at him and is like, winks Wink. at him like, hold on, man. <laughs> Stop it right there. What? <laughs> All right. Going into chapter like, 24 titled... Faith, Drizzt and company decided that Clacker's best chance of survival was to take him to Manzo Baranzon. All right, they, uh, Drizzt got Belwar on board. So they began their journey back. And they were approaching a familiar green glow, the cavern with acid and corbies. Those oh. funny little flightless bird guys. Yeah. I was thinking like, they're in the Underdark. The Underdark is huge. Couldn't they have found a different way around? <laughs> but <clears throat> there was no sign of Corby's, so no big deal, right? They made their way across the cavern, but just as Clacker disappeared through the archway on the other side, there came a loud shriek. A moment later, Zacnafane emerged from where Clacker just disappeared to, right? Driz yelled for Belwar to tend to Clacker, saying, This is Zacnafane, my father, to which Driz saw a moment of hesitation in Zac's step. By the time Belwar made it to Clacker, it was obvious to him um, that Clacker was, he, he was going to die. Which was like, when I heard that, I was like, or read that, I was just like, no. But yeah, I was right there with Belvoir. Like I, again, I've read this book itself at least three times, I think. Uh -huh. And so, but still to get to the part where that happened, I was like, I know this happens and I'm still over there like right. relaxed in the emotions when right. it's like, Oh my God, Clacker just went to the car. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Zombies that Oh, Clacker. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm just like, okay, no, that's okay. They can revive like, them. There's a revival. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was in my head the whole time. Like, so it goes back to mental parents. And they, I have read these books and I'm still following along. And like, <laughs> okay, so they go to mental parents and what are they going to do? They're going to find a wizard. They're going to threaten his life. They think it's, this is going to be cool. How does he get around matron malice? Like, yeah. <laughs> just because I was just following along with the story. And it just right. it, it yep. pulled me right back in. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, Belwar was, he, he could barely take the sight of it. Like he was about to just turn around and go help um, Drizzt fight Zack. But uh, against that judgment, he decided to stay and comfort Clacker uh, <sighs> and watch as the hook horror reverted back to patch form just as death was reached. And... That was another another description that was almost my dim light. I was just like, oh, man, that wrecked me, Jeffrey. It, yeah. It really surprised me, that whole thing. And, oh, man, I was really disappointed. 
But I mean, in the end, it was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's the end of the book. People are going to die. It's going to be a thing. But oh, well. Way to so, make you care about the character enough that it hurts when he dies. I know, right? <clears throat> Drizzt, now facing Zack, started interrogating. Who are you? Zack replied, I am your mother. <laughs> I was like, hold on. But Drizzt knew that his father was inside the wraith. He said, Drizzt, uh, I am your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Missed that one. <laughs> so they started fighting back and forth, and when Zack... Used the double thrust low on Drizzt. Drizzt replied the way that he always did with the cross down parry, but now with his own flavor. This boot above his sword's hilt toward Zack's face. Something that only Zack has ever witnessed, right? He only used it one yep. other time on Zack, and yet the Wraith was ready for it. All right, Matron Malice would not have known to dodge that. Right. So obviously Zack was still in there. Uh, Zack's hands stuttered at Drizzt's acknowledging at Drizzt acknowledging that the wraith was Zack. Matron Malice fought to control to maintain control. Uh, Drizzt started a new plan: fight Zack Nefane like old times. Go go through the familiar series of attacks, including some banter uh, that would encourage his father to come out. Zacnafane finally got Drizzt in a position ready to kill the drow, but Belwar's screams of Drizzt caused the hesitation within the wraith. Drizzt managed to stand back up, taking a huge chance that his father uh, had taken control of his body. Drizzt sheathed his scimitars. In that moment, I was just like, no, like, what are you doing? But I mean, he knew he's what he about was doing. to get Kylo Ren right there. When oh, Han no. came in, oh, no. when, yep, yep. Man, we're we're we have so many Star Wars references. <laughs> I never realized how closely this book parallels. <laughs> On Malice's end, she gave the order to kill Driz, but was met with only darkness. She needed to give more and more of Zack's consciousness back to the Wraith in order to defeat Driz, and now, I mean, she gave too much of Zack back. He was able to take his body back. And another, another moment that was almost my dim light. The two had this, the briefest of moments where they got to actually talk to each other and converse. And, um, you know, most of it was unfortunately Zach just like warning Drizzt about what was going on. But Drizzt's hopes were high that the two were together again and would stay that way. But again, Zach was, he described that he was under the control of Malice uh, he would never stop hunting Drizzt. Or she would never stop hunting Drizzt as long as um, Zack was alive. And then Malice just started to regain control. But Zack had just enough control left that he vaulted himself from the walkway down into the Lake of Acid. I, we lost Zack twice. I know, right? We, we just lost Clacker mm -hmm. and Zack. In the same chapter. Zach for the second time. Did we lose someone else? We didn't lose anyone else. For some reason, I thought there were three major I deaths don't in one think... chapter. I'm no. not sure that anybody That's going to be the next chapter, as... right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I don't think anybody died back in the first previously. book that we would remember as far as like his companions at all, right? 
Um, like people he was friends with. He lost Zach. That was the only one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only one. So we just lost Zach and Clacker. Yeah, in one chapter. And now we move on to chapter 25, Consequences. Malice was both infuriated and terrified as she lost contact with Zach Nefane. And that's when Breeza took out her house, um, took over House to Warden. Because, uh, Swipe. yeah, Breeza <laughs> took out her snake whip and literally whipped Malice to death. Insane. There's a lot of bludgeoning in this book. You know, the, yeah. the basilisk, the, the, the ogre, uh, the, the now Malice. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, perhaps Breeza will be a stronger matron than Malice was, so... You know, good for her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Danon rushes in the room and acknowledged Breeza as matron. Breeza could, you know, she's like, huh, I could get used to this, right? <laughs> uh, but then Danon revealed his purpose for the visit. They're being, they're currently being attacked by House Banray. Wait, what? <sighs> by Wait, House no, no, Banray, no. right? No, no, it, Banray gave them the troops so they wouldn't get attacked, right? Well, that's the thing. They gave them the troops so that they could more easily attack, like... Oh, no. So you think that that <laughs> wink meant that, and the Jarlaxle whistle. Oh, see, there's all these, these threads are tying together. Yep. Yep. Insane. And she just let them walk on in completely blind. She invited the them in. Yep. She invited the, them in. the pomp and ceremony, because as she was right. having that, that, um, as she was being escorted back, she was like, mm-hmm. what is, what is so and so thinking of this? Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah. She's, she's not thinking about what she should be thinking about. Right. <laughs> She's and, inviting I mean, the traitors in, you know? <laughs> absolutely. And she just essentially um, not excuses Breeze's actions, but justifies them. Like, like it's, she's being, she oh, brought the yeah. downfall on. She opened right. the door, let yep. the people in. She's not even yep. paying attention. Yep. Totally. Um, Maya and Vierna are out on the balcony when they realize that the forces outside the gates that they're looking at were the same house emblems as the 200 inside the gates. Hmm. Maya fell to several darts, while Vierna was taken out by her own snake whip. As far as whether or not they're dead, we're not sure. I know later on, Jarlaxle says something along the lines of like, ah, Vierna's probably fine. But Maya? I don't know. Uh, So it's obvious that Lulth wanted House Dewarden eradicated, because the snake whip was allowed to attack Vierna. Right? Same thing when, when Breeza used the snake whip on Malice. Like, yep. Malice is sitting there just like, yeah, that's not going to work. And then, like, She's oh, like, yeah, it works. The snake whip is a gift from Loth, and it exactly. will not, it's literally like programmed not to attack matron mothers. Except it does. It did. So you <laughs> yep. know that Loth is like, ha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> Like the same way when, when Malice swerves and stabs, uh, you know, former Cinefe there. Right. Yep. She's like, you know, yeah, goodness. I just put Breeza and Vierna together. Brierna? <laughs> <laughs> Breeza reaches back and Malice is like, not going to work. It's like, right. oh, it, oh, it, but it is. But it's too late. <laughs> Breeza then left the throne room and Deenan stood there watching the eyes of Malice when Jarlaxle came in. Deenan assumed he was there to kill him, but Jarlaxle had other plans. He invited Deenan into the mercenary clan of Bregandierth. I love that part because Deenan's so like, cool. all right, man, it is what it is. I get it. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a house noble. 
take the head, just make it quick. That's all I want. Just yeah, exactly. make it quick. And Jarlax was like, no, I, or, and you're like, wait a minute, what do you mean, or? <laughs> there is no or. Like, I'm a noble. Like, if I stay alive, then I'm a witness against the attack, and that's not yep. going to work. And he said, it'll be fine. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, to what end? Like, what do you get to gain? And it's like, right. if you think back to when Bay and Ray gave Cinefe into House to Word, she's like, yep. look, this mm-hmm. has been done time and time again. Like, yep. this is how we roll. And essentially, yep. by taking Dean in, into the the brotherless what is it called the the, the brothers without clan Bregg and Diarth, the, the not mm-hmm. having a house makes sense absolutely yeah, totally makes sense. oh totally totally does um and like, like and jarl he, axel is so clever that he's like look dean good swordsman he's yep. subservient he's gonna kowtow when i need him to he's not gonna mm-hmm. try to like you know i know when he's gonna try to overthrow me so that makes right. it likely he's never gonna overthrow me it's like right man he's good yeah yeah uh so the the attack finishes i'm sure House to Warden is eradicated, okay? Uh, I don't know that it ever actually went into that, but uh, we're now a few days later. Jarlaxle is talking to Deenan about their next bounty, Drizda Warden. This poor guy just cannot get a break. <laughs> like, even nope. after the ruin of House to Warden, Lolf has a massive bounty on Drizd's head. Um, but Deenan, however, refused. He refused to take on the task. He already knows, like, um, he's convinced that he would experience just as much death and disgrace at the hands of Drizzt uh, that he would at Jarlaxle. So he's just like, nah, I'm not going to do it. I know what I'm capable of. I'm, I can't, so I'm not going to. And Jarlaxle is oddly okay with it. He's just like, oh, okay, I He uses that. it, like, what, to gauge <laughs> Deenan's responses or whatever? But it's like, I found it really, really cool from Deenan's part that he's like, wait, all right, kill me. He's like, we're not going to kill you. We're going to give you life. He's like, oh, I have hope. He goes, yep, now let's kill your brother. He goes, you know what? Just kill me. like no he's like i refuse to do it no way and i was like again this is not a very drow thing to do you know what i mean they usually follow orders and everything so to see these drow now starting to like come apart the seams makes you wonder yep yeah totally into chapter 26 lights in the ceiling that is the last chapter of the book and driz peered down into the acid where zacnafane fell he reflected on his past experiences with the hunter inside him Though the hunter had taken over Driz's body before, Driz still existed within. The same could be said about Zack, so so Driz thought, right? Though the Wraith took over, Zack Nefane still existed within him. His spirit still existed on. Because the heart was in there, Jeffrey. <laughs> His heart will go on. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> uh, Driz and Belwar gave Clacker a proper burial by dropping the corpse into a belly of the acid, the belly of the acid lake, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's better than being in one of the bellies of the creatures of the Underdark, right? Yeah, you so don't want to leave your friend to scavengers. Yeah. So they made their way back to Blingdenstone, which I was like, hey, that's a good idea. Like, right? Like, that's a great idea. Uh, so that's where they, they went back to Blingdenstone. Drizzt was going to live happily ever after there, right? <clears throat> uh, so Drizzt was left in Belwar's co- uh, cottage while Belwar went to the king to give the news on the zombie drow's second death. Uh, and Drizzt, left to his own thoughts and without the knowledge of Malice's demise, continued to wonder if this was such a good idea. He knew that Malice wouldn't stop until either she or Drizzt were dead. Right? Belwar then returned with 
a grimace, not the Burger King grimace or McDonald's oh. grimace. I'm getting a mix, mixed <laughs> up. <laughs> Burger King doesn't have a grimace. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, King Schnicktick uh, would allow Drizzt one 10 day in Blingdenstone, but then he would need to leave. Drizzt was okay with this. Uh, he already knew. Uh, he already knew what was coming, right? He already knew. Um, he expected it. And he already came to this new conclusion that he would then venture to the surface in search of his new home. Which, yeah, I was like, all right, let's go. I didn't realize. Well, let, I'll just, I'll keep going through this. Belwar tried to convince the drow that he would stay by his side, but Drizzt wouldn't hear of it. Belwar then gave Drizzt you know, he eventually accepted it and gave Drizzt uh, a light-emitting brooch and instructions to never forget him. But then, after the the ten days, Belwar or within those ten days, uh, Belwar took Drizzt to a store and bought him a bunch of supplies that he would need to make it to the surface. Uh, he also gifted Drizzt with maps of the Underdark that would lead him to the surface. Like, how cool is that? And then Drizzt felt. A lightning as like, yeah, sorry. I missed a section here. Drizzt left Blingdenstone and made his way toward the surface. It took him. I mean, I don't think it described it exactly, but it was, it was described earlier that it would take him many 10 days to get up there. Um, but we cut up to that moment when Drizzt is wandering through the corridors of the Underdark and he feels the air start to get lighter. Uh, he calls out Guenevar so that the two can enter the surface world together. Which, I mean, yeah. that's almost Love exactly that how one. we left the first book, right? You leave the first book, they're on the edge of uh, Menzo oh, Berenzin, right? And they're totally. in the tunnels, they're, they're standing there and they're looking out at their next adventure. Yeah. And then we get to book two and we're literally, again, at the end of it and they're standing there at the end of this tunnel getting ready to go to their next adventure Right. To the surface. That now they can see the light. What's the like, third book going to be? <laughs> and that's probably where we go to Icewind Dale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the Drizzt. Let's go ahead and talk about our favorite parts of this part in the Dim Light Reel. The Dim Light is where we cast darkness on our favorite parts from this week and dim light all of our favorite characters, events, descriptions, and more. So for me, my dim light is the fall of malice. It's spread out a little bit, and I really liked how you went through because I'm basically I'm going to only take one side. I'm just going <laughs> to bear with me. But I thought that watching her spiral was just the best part of this part to oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we pick up at Chapter 24, and malice has been worn down by Zincarla and the constant attention to the spirit rate. But suddenly her eyes widen as she utters a sound so primal that her daughters immediately knew the wraith had found Drizzt. Breeza looks at her sisters and dismisses them. She kind of gives them a look. Gotta go. Vierna hesitates, but then Breeza drops a hand to her weapon, almost like a samurai pulling the, the sword a little bit. Like, man, you, you want to go? <laughs> and so then she leaves. This leaves Breeza alone, standing behind Malice, staring intently as Malice intently stared at Zacnafane. Now, the foreshadowing of that image, I mean, you could have made that the cover of the book and it would have given away everything, right? <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, it's <clears throat> it's such a powerful image of her coveting the throne, moving yep. behind Malice, and 
Malice is just too infatuated with the spirit as it hunts her son. Yeah. So then Brisa watched her mother's every movement with the clenched fists that are pounding on the arms of her stone throne, even after they begun to bleed. Malice was feeling the ecstasy of the hunt, Zincarla coming to its conclusion. She had hoped that it would be like this, that her final moment of triumph would shine clearly in her thoughts from across the miles. She had heard every word that Drizzt had uttered to his father's corpse and felt his distress so very keenly. Never had Malice known such pleasure. And then she felt a slight twinge as Zack struggled against her control, but she pushed him aside with a guttural snarl as Brisa watched with more than a passing interest. Now, this may seem a little disjointed because, again, I only really want to focus on the roller coaster ride that Matron Malice is going through in this part. So there's a whole fight and chase scene that Justin did earlier mm -hmm. with you know, going through the dim light. But since we've all read that, I just wanted to give Matron Malice a close-up look and feature her side of this. No, Malice screamed and violently tore control of her monster back, walking the delicate and dangerous line between Zach Nefane's physical abilities and the consciousness of, being, of the being that he had once been. You are mine, Wraith, Malice bellowed, and by the will of Lolt, you shall complete this task. <clears throat> this is significant, right? We know that Zach Nefane is on the other side of this connection, struggling to take control. Drizzt is over there, pleading with him during the fight, and he's trying his, uh, to jump into the driver's seat. Earlier, Malice mm -hmm. just swatted him aside, but this time she has to forcibly grab the wheel, so to speak. And meanwhile, Brisa is in the room with her like a panther. Right? Not like Guinevar, but like a panther. <laughs> we know that she's hungry for a higher station, as all drow are. But we know she is more savage than most. We know that she hungers for the throne, but Matron Malice has ruled over the family with an iron fist. Now, with Malice having been so depleted from her time spent focusing on Sincarla, she's actually starting to lose control of that. And she's actually starting to lose control of that. Lolth has given her this highest of gifts, and Malice is suddenly having a tough time. Perhaps a sign of weakness? Kill him, Malice squealed in glee, thinking that the moment of victory at hand. Except, suddenly she doesn't see the battle. She only sees darkness. Zach Nefane has grabbed control from her, and she looked around, stunned, and saw her too curious daughter. Then she sank back within the trance, fighting to regain control. Mm hmm Brisa is all too curious. Malice surfaces from the bond and she doesn't think anything of it, but it's interesting that R.A. Salvatore takes a moment to mention that Brisa is all too curious. Just like a panther, perhaps, that sees an opportunity for an easy meal. He didn't say that she's pacing around with anticipation, but that's kind of the feeling that I get. That, <laughs> you know, Malice has lost control of her gift and gone back to try to avoid failure. So Matron Malice could not even scream her denial. A thousand explosions pounded her brain when Zach Nefane went into that acid lake. A thousand realizations of impending and unavoidable disaster. At this moment, she kind of jumps up and flails at the air as if she could grab onto something. She's, she's uttering primal sounds, and, and through it all, though, clearly hears the hiss of the small, wicked, snaked heads of a high priestess's whip with Brisa behind her. I had hoped that my time of ascension would be many years away. But you are weak, Malice. Too weak to hold House to Worden together in the trials that will follow our... Your failure. Hmm. Now here, Malice wanted to laugh because 
The whip was a weapon of the Spider Queen, and it could not be used against Matron Mothers. But she couldn't bring herself to do it for some reason, and, and, then, and then suddenly she was just mesmerized as Breeze's arm slowly reared back and then shot forward. Six snake heads uncoiled toward her. It, this is impossible. It <laughs> went against all the tenets of Lolt's doctrine. The fanged heads came on eagerly and dived into Malice's flesh with all of the Spider Queen's fury behind them. Searing agony coursed through Malice's body. She teetered on the brink of consciousness. The snake whip snapped again and the floor swallowed Malice. Breeza swung again and again and again, venting her fury. Now, I've read the last part of the passage pretty much word for word because she, being Malice, was ultimate villain of both of these books. I mean, she has literally haunted Drizzt's nightmares and waking moments for his entire life. Mm -hmm. And and suddenly, she's fallen. What what will this mean for Drizzt? What would this mean for Menzo Barons? It's, it's like a giant object has been removed. And I'm curious to see how that void is filled. I mean, one right. thing's for sure, right? She got a really amazing send-off. Like, Salvatore <laughs> built that up wonderfully. Oh, yeah, totally. It reminded me a lot of... I don't know if you've ever watched um, Avatar The Last Airbender, the TV show. Yes. Okay, the uh, last season with the, the sister that becomes Fire Lord. Ah, shoot, what's oh. her face? I forget her name. Um, uh, she becomes the Fire Lord, and then she just descends into madness. Yeah. Just, like, all the power she, like gets rid of everyone and everything and yeah it just goes crazy yeah like malice was doing a lot of that as well slightly different situation <laughs> but still just reminded me a lot of that um so no that's really cool and yeah you you did a lot of um <clears throat> reading word for word i am literally going to read my dim light word for word because um <laughs> i can't do any better than than that like right. it was amazing so, yeah, my dim light this week um, has dim light written all over it. Uh -uh. Because it was the moment that Drizzt and Guinevar first reached the surface in the night. And like I said, I'm, I just have to read it. <clears throat> so they came into a small cave, and the darkness beyond the distant archway, archway was not nearly as gloomy as the darkness behind them. Drizzt held his breath and let Guinevar out. The stars twinkled through the broken clouds of the night sky. The moon's silvery light slayed out in a duller glow behind one large cloud, and the wind howled a mountain song. Drizzt was high up in the realms, perched on the side of a tall mountain in the midst of a mighty range. He minded not at all the bite of the breeze but stood very still for a long time and waited the meandering and watched the meandering clouds <laughs> pass him on their slow aerial trek to the moon. Guinevar stood beside him, unjudging, and Drizzt knew the panther always would. And like I said, I, I love can't that, add... that little pause at the end. It just, it just kind of sinks it home. I oh. think you're right. Oh, totally. Yeah, like, um, <clears throat> that's one reason why I like to listen to the audiobook while I read um, because hearing it is different than reading it for sure and then if you hit a moment like that you can just pause it but here you didn't need to pause it it was the literal last words of the book and it was just yeah. like stopped and you just sit there for like five seconds afterwards and it's just like 
<laughs> like such good writing. So like I said, I, I can't really add to this. It was just such a beautiful moment. It was filled with wonder and hope as Drizzt viewed the night sky for now the second time, right? Are the dangers yeah. that he left behind, are they still a concern? What future does the surface hold for Drizzt and Guinevar? It was just such an, such an amazing moment. And, um, but I also have one other question. What is Drizzt going to do when the sun comes up? Just that first time where he sees the sun rise. Yeah. What is he going to do? I mean, I'm panic so a little, excited. right? Right, right. It's He's gotta. He has to. <laughs> At least a little trepidation. Right. So I am so excited to get into book three and see what happens here. But nice. we still have a dungeon delve to get to. So, Jeffrey, you can go ahead and take that away. So, the Dungeon Delve is the part of the show where we link this week's reading with our favorite tabletop role-playing game. So for me, <clears throat> I went with Animate Dead. I know, it's not quite Zincarla, but I wanted to look at the mechanic of animating the corpse. And, you know, maybe some ways that they could prove problematic to fight. So this spell creates an undead servant. It requires a pile of bones or a corpse of medium or small humanoid within range. Your spell imbues the target with a foul mimicry of life, raising it as an undead creature. The target becomes a skeleton if you choose bones, or a zombie if you choose a corpse. Since Zach the Fame was a zombie, we're going to go with those stats. Uh, they're given an armor class of 8. <laughs> Their hit points are 3d8 plus 9. They get a speed of 20, plus 1 to strength, negative 2 to dex, plus 3 to constitution, negative 4 to inst uh, intelligence, negative 2 wisdom, Negative three charisma. They're immune to poison. They get dark vision to 60 feet and a passive perception of eight. They understand all languages that it spoke in life, but can't speak. Gotcha. You said so, all languages. <clears throat> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's interesting, right? Because you can tell right away that this uh, it's not really going to work for Zachnafane because he was definitely right. agile and fast. He was uh, far harder mm -hmm. to hit than an 8AC. Right, right. And he also didn't seem to have any HP. Or, I mean, you know, maybe, and this is where I thought it was cool. He had, like, an infinite amount, right? <laughs> or he had an immunity to non-magical weapons. Oh, maybe, okay. Maybe something like that, because he wasn't phased by anything other than the acid at the end, right? Right. Now, on each of your turns, you can use a bonus action to mentally command any creature that you made with this spell, as long as it's within 60 feet. If you control multiple creatures, you can command any or all of them if you choose. If you don't give it a command, the creature only defends itself against hostile creatures. Once an order is given, the creature follows it until the task is complete. The creature is under your control for 24 hours. Now, in order to maintain control of the creature for another 24 hours, you must cast this spell again on the creature before the current 24-hour period ends. The spell hmm. would then reassert your control over up to four creatures that you made with the spell in, instead of animating new ones, right? <clears throat> Now, this actually lines up pretty well with the book when you think about how Matron Malice was continually locked in and focused on Zachnafane during Zincarla. I mean, she had to keep focused in order to control his actions. She had to renew it every day. So she's always there and locked in huh. in order to keep control of Zachnafane. 
Now, it seems from a homebrew point of view that she kind of gave Zach Nefane's consciousness just a little bit of control in order for him to execute orders and commands more efficiently. Right? Right. When we talk about him fighting and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wouldn't know how to sword fight like he did. So maybe she gives him 10% or 15% control in order to get through the parts that she's unfamiliar with. And somewhere along the line, she gave up too much control and perhaps, you know, failed to cast the spell again before the time ran out. From a gameplay standpoint, maybe she was too exhausted to remember how much time had passed. Zach Nefane took control for a moment and then, whoop, swan dives into the acid. <laughs> that was kind of lucky that they were that they didn't take a different route, I guess. Because oh, the acid yeah. was there. Like, what would they right. have done otherwise, right? Yeah. Was, yeah, like you were saying. Well, then I mean, he'd have been forced to maybe use fire or something to kill. But I mean, yeah, was, would, would Drizzt have been able to bring himself? To, he, he couldn't. He right. put the sheet, you know what I mean? So it's like, would he have been able to dispatch of Zach? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, that that's a, that's a really good... Um, Dungeon Delve there, Animate Dead. I didn't think about that. Like, when you first said it, I was like, yeah, it's in Carla. It's not Animate Dead, but, I mean... Now, Zin Carla maybe is like uh, that to the 10th power, right? Because it doesn't right. have a 60-foot range. It goes miles. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and those, uh, some all those, those small stats. things, right? Yeah, the stats would yeah. be a little different because he's not just a zombie. So it's right. like, you know, maybe it, it allows you to choose a percent... I don't know, just that like, you'd have to homebrew that, I think. Just oh, yeah. a little bit to tweak yeah. it around <clears throat> in order to get it to work. But I found it neat that most of the bones are really there. Eh? Bones. Right. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, my dim light. <clears throat> say it loud. Say it proud. Maps. <laughs> <laughs> In the last chapter of the book, Drizzt was given a bunch of maps of the Underdark that would ultimately help him get to the surface, right? Maps were yet another thing that really got me hooked in D&D. One thing I love about an open world video game like Elder Scrolls games or the newest Zelda games are the empty maps that you start with at the beginning of the game. And then as you go through the game, you get all these little icons, all these little um, uh, little yet yeah, bits of the map filled yep. in. And it's just so satisfying to me. Each location that you discover, uh, just it's it's your story it's unique to you and you know perhaps um other people are playing a bunch of other people are playing this game as well um but they might hold a different weight to you mm-hmm. uh, they, they make they make your own unique story so perhaps when you showed up to this specific cave over here whatever it is um you showed up fully loaded and ready to delve into that cave. You were in an exploring mentality. Okay. Perhaps an, another person that approached that cave fled there, f- you know, fleeing some huge monster and they were looking for shelter and they quickly ran in there for refuge and they were not ready for whatever lurks down there. Perhaps you accidentally stumbled upon it Um upon like a secret entrance or something and you wound up going through that cave without you know like everyone approaches those locations in a different way oh yeah. even if it's geographically speaking maybe yeah. one person came from the north one from the you know like it's as simple from... as like going back to the first zelda game like what's your favorite castle there's nine of them right so your location right. and mine are gonna be different i liked going through the desert in order to find the graveyard where you get the, the white sword and you, you know move to go <laughs> 
everybody's going to have a different way, yep. a different play that they play it and be like, you know what? I hate that place over there with sandworms. <laughs> Always a pain in my backside. And other people are going to be like, I love it. Everybody has different things. That's what makes it great, right? Yeah. So um, I just love how maps also just give a a way to help visualize your story. You know, as you're looking at a map, you can say like, oh, well, that's where we started. And then we made our way over to there. And then we went up there and then over there and then back home and then and like so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, love maps. So as you know, Jeffrey, and as most of our listeners know, um, I created our current campaign that we play from scratch. Okay. Yep. And guess where I started? I started with a map. <laughs> so I'm not saying that this is the only way to start constructing a campaign, but I will say that it really helped me. It helped me with visualizing where the group, where our adventurers would be able to go. It helped with establishing relationships between cities, um, as well as establishing a quote, somewhat rich history of the world. I created a, a little bit of history, but it's a pretty young world, so it's not too too crazy. But as far as the rest of the details go, I mean, you can add that in as the group plays. As you add locations to the map, just like in the video game, you're creating your own personal story that is unique to your group. Like Jeffrey, no one else is ever going to go to a small, unnamed, ruined village in the suburbs of the city of Scalamere to fight a puppet master orc named Rothru. Much to Ryan's dismay, no one will ever visit Don Maldir. No one else. You guys did. Right, right. You're right. We finally got there. <laughs> but yeah, no one else will go to Don Maldir but you guys and, and experience what you guys did there. Well, one of the things you did was fought a Bahir down there. That was That was crazy. Yeah. But that's something that is unique to our group. And I don't know. There's just something really cool about that, you know? Absolutely. Um, and it all came from me making the original overworld map. I almost said, I was almost going to say, um, it's from me making this map. But I don't want to take that credit. You know what I mean? You guys also made the map. Because you guys decided where you were going. And then I started filling in the details. You guys started exploring the whole overworld. And from there, you guys ultimately made made the map what it is. So, and hey, uh, you don't have to be the most artistic person in the world to make your own map. I'm not. I'm not a very artistic person at all. Uh, what I did when I first decided I wanted to sketch a map or make a map was I sketched it in a notebook a few different times. Each time, uh, each time I made a new draft, I made a couple edits here and there and thought about like how this city would interact with that city. Well, this city's more in the mines, so they're going to, or mines, they're more in the mountains, so they're going to be a more mining community. This one's over near a bunch of grasslands, so they're going to be more of a farming community and how do, how do they relate to each other and things like that. Eventually, uh, I did want to make a digital version of this. Uh, so one afternoon I sat down uh, and I sketched it on my laptop. And there it sat for a few years. 
until our group started playing. I literally, I don't know if I ever told you, Jeffrey, I had that map drawn out, I think back in 2018. Oh, wow. The the original map. Yeah. And we didn't start playing our campaign until 2021. We started yeah. playing D&D in 2020, but I didn't get that campaign going until 2021. Like, it sat around for a good three years. Oh, wow. Um. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens, but it was well worth it. We, we play on it all the time now. Battle maps, on the other hand, that's something I haven't really ventured into making. Um, they're not, they don't, you know, they're easy enough to find online that I'm just like, yeah, I could just grab one of those and fit it to my campaign. Um, and it's, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there as well that you can support on like Patreon and they'll, they'll make your map specifically for you. You can tell them what you want and they'll make it for you. I haven't tried that either. Um, if anyone has a specific battle map maker in mind that wants to share it with me or with the rest of the group, jump on the discord, post the link, let us hear them because you know, it's, it, I've gotten a lot of free maps that have been out there and starting to run out. <laughs> I'm starting to run out of good ones. <laughs> so I feel like it's going to have to happen eventually, <laughs> but Hey, what? That's the end of my dungeon delve. No. What does that mean? And I think that's the end of book two here, Jeffrey. That's oh. the end of season two, I should say. It is. Uh, so yeah, that's going to do it for Exile. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember that if you like the show, give us a five-star rating. Also, make sure you're getting the most out of this podcast. Pick up a copy of book three. Book three and start reading it. We're going to get to that as quickly as possible here. If you don't have time to read... Try the audiobook. Then you can listen during your commute, at work, the gym, wherever. And don't forget to email us your dim lights at drizdunright at gmail.com or log on to the Discord and join in on the discussion there. Remember, we would love to hear from you. Wow. So book two is in the can, and it's a wrap, huh? I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I definitely like the pace. (laughs) I was expecting a little bit of a pun going on there. I was like, no, no, I, I don't want to walk right into this. <laughs> I, mean, I definitely like the pace of going through the book. You all have made these months so entertaining for us. I know we've had a blast making it together. And knowing that we have you out there to share it with, that's just so cool and special. I'm looking forward to book three and completing our first trilogy. We're going to continue to tweak the format just a little bit. We're going to give you that episode zero that we had talked about for the book before we dive in and tear it apart, like Guinevar on a central brain. Maybe a little less splurting. <laughs> if you'd like to support this podcast, we do have a link that's in the episode description. Not to be too redundant, but it says support this podcast. So, yeah. I love little wordplay. Anyhow, you can click on that link, send a dollar or two, you can send whatever you'd like. We just hope that you'll join us on the next episode. We'll be here when you press play. But until then, farewell, friends. Play fair and be well.